this holy says to you. To remember that goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We thank you that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We thank you that Steve is with you, Lord Jesus. We behind grieve his absence. But he is even better than ever. And so Lord, we pray that through the, the midst of all the emotions that we experience, we pray that you help us to trust you. We trust you with all of our hearts and not lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways help us to know you that you promised to make our paths straight. So we thank you as well, you are the God of all compassion, the God of all grace, and the God of all comfort. So help us to cast all of our cares upon you, knowing that you care for us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. this morning by singing from Psalm 100. You'll find the words on the back of your program. It stands together as we sing. All people that on earth we dwell. Thank you. 
Hands is right. You'll find it in the hymnal, page 94. The Trinity hymnal, page 94. Let's stay in this I want you to think just a few minutes. 
Even at that young age, at 18, he had a strong connection and love for the Lord. He carried on his whole life. And I'll be like that. Dear friend, here I do think about that I read as a kid. I took it every Sunday morning to church and read through it very many times. Now I hand it down to you. This is a very special moment for me. I've only given one of my Bibles to a friend once. In order to get one of my Bibles, you have to meet a certain criteria, and that was Steve. <sighs> you must be the best friend I've ever had. You must join me in my work with God. And last but not least, the receiver of this Bible must have caused me to experience a great deal of real, warm, sincere brotherly love. Frank, if I can do that, if, if anyone can do that to you, Look at us. We are no doubt the best of friends. Please accept and cherish this Bible. And when I die, God forbid, I want you to place this Bible under my arm, in the casket, and don't worry. With God's help, you'll find the truth and clearness of the Bible. Heed my advice. Be patient. Avoid something. And be there for me whenever I need you. I only have one other. I've only met one other guy similar to me, and I feel proud of these ideas. You've got to make me truly are a couple of crazy guys. Frank, take a little time sometimes, and I make all the great memories we've built each other. Now, please clarify. Remember the episode of God. Growing up, living the way you were, and don't forget hanging out. I love you. I can't really break that and let everything out because I can write for days. I only have half a page left. Besides, you know everything. I hope you don't just build a special book with the rest. It isn't joke, it's God's word. Read it when you feel you have nothing left, and I promise, if there's any medicine, is to watch Take care of yourself. Steve McCaslin, the best Filipino friend you can grab. <laughs> um, I, I just, I just want to say, I, I love you, Steve, and I love all of you. First, I want to thank all, all of you for being here today. 
I also want to thank Sharon and the rest of Stephen's family for giving me the opportunity to speak today. This is an extremely difficult day for me, uh, so forgive me, but, but I'm going to need to read this to get through it. My name is Greg Hernandez, and Stephen was my business partner, but more importantly, my best friend and my brother from another mother, as Sharon would often say. Stephen and I met about 13 years ago through a mutual friend, and we quickly found that uh, we worked really well together. Stephen had on a tech background, and I had the industry and sales background. So together, we made the perfect pair, and because of that, we decided to go into business together. Our business grew year over year, but our friendship grew even faster. I started to learn who the real Stephen was, a man of knowledge, a man of wisdom, a man of passion, and so much more. We started getting into the same hobbies, from cigars, guns, motorcycles. And Stephen had this kind of personality that once he was interested in something, he had to master it. He had to know everything about it. I was always so inspired and so impressed with the amount of knowledge he had in anything, in any given subject. But no matter what we did together, every time I was with Stephen, we genuinely had a good time. I was always full of love. He knew how to make a person feel happy, inspired, and excited about life. It's hard for me to even pick memories with Stephen because every time was special. Every time I laughed and every time I walked away, having learned, having learned something new. For those of you that don't know me, uh, English is in my first language. Uh, so I tend to mispronounce some words and I will never forget the time we were in a business meeting with a large auto group and I, I started to talk about what we can do for social media. And I kept saying Twitter. <laughs> Finally, at the end of my presentation, Stephen stood up and said, for those of you who don't speak Spanish, what Greg is trying to say is Twitter. Uh, and that was just one example of Stephen's teaching me and making me laugh at the same moment. And needless to say, we got that account, by the way. <laughs> As more time passed, uh, we started to get to know each other's families. That's when I discovered the other side of Stephen, who was a great husband, a great father, a great son, and a great brother. And that's uh, when we became like brothers. In recent years, uh, Stephen made the move to Texas, but despite the distance, our friendship remained strong. Instead of spending hours at the coffee shop together, we 
We just spent hours on the phone together every day. Stephen actually told me that uh, he got himself a recliner for our phone calls uh, because he knew once we started talking it was going to be a lot. My wife and I had the pleasure of coming out and visiting Stephen and his family in Texas. And while I have a lot of great memories from that trip, my favorite memory is the two hour Hollywood ride. We made out to Stephenville, Texas, uh, for some awesome barbecue. That was the epitome of Stephen and of Texas, Harley. Harley's good food, good music, and great time. I was so honored to be Stephen's friend, and I'm going to miss everything about him. I think what I'm going to miss most is simply talking to him. Stephen was taken too soon. And it hurts to think of the plans we made that we will never be able to experience. But I know that Stephen, if Stephen was here today, he wouldn't want us to feel sad and defeated. So instead, I'm going to give, I'm going to live every day in his memory and I will be the incredible man that he was. I love you, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, when I met Stephen, uh, he was fresh back from his honeymoon. Uh, so I had that honeymoon look. And uh, we became fast friends. We had a uh, heart breakfast. And that next Sunday, uh, I would be in church and I would notice where Steve sat. Steve sat in the front row. And I also noticed that Steve sat with his wife. And I noticed something kind of strange in that. Uh, Steve sat in one chair separate from his wife. That was kind of strange. Stuck in your head in and not sitting together. Steve, chair, new wife. That was kind of strange to have problems already. <laughs> but, uh, okay. Um, so, and that went on for a number of weeks. I would, uh, see again, Steve, chair, and his wife is gorgeous, so I thought, what could possibly be the problem? She's just a beautiful baby. And so I, you know, I guess, kept seeing that, that problem. And uh, whenever I would see Steve after church, he would be by himself and be with the guys and talking and all that stuff, and his wife would be over there talking to the ladies. And so, out of circumstances, I had to sit in a different part of the church on Sunday. I got a different angle of what was happening. And and uh, I saw it again, Steve, 
chair, beautiful wife. But this time I saw a little head in that middle chair, and I discovered that uh, that little head belonged to his actual wife, Sharon Wilson. <laughs> and so, uh, what happened is that the uh, So it's kind of this relationship that me and Steve had, and our friendship changed both of our lives forever. So when asked to speak, I thought, man, what would, what would Steve do and say at this point? And I thought about it, about it, about it, and then thought, you know, I know what we do. And Sharon confirms and did what he would do about knowing it. And I think Steve would basically want to comfort his loved ones, but he'd also want to recalibrate their minds and not be focused on loss, deterioration. They want to refocus their minds on gain and glory. And so he would tell his loved ones to go to 2 Samuel 12, chapter 15, verses 15 to 23. Right, I'll say, do you do that? <laughs> okay, so that's actually that passage says, Then the Lord, then the Lord struck the child that Uriah, Uriah's went war to David, and so they were very sick. <laughs> David therefore inquired of God for the child, and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground, but he was unwilling and would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventh day that the child died, and the servants of David were afraid to tell him the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while a child was still alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to our voice. How then can we tell him that the child is dead, since he might do himself harm? But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and he came into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you have done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, 
Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, but the child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not come back to me. So, I'm sorry, but he will not return to me. So I think Steve would take this passage and make a few observations. First, he would not shrink back from the beginning of the passage, where it says that the Lord struck the child. Steve would know this is a hard phrase at this time, and know that it's hard to see God act in this way. But he would clarify that God ordains what he ordains, decrees what he decrees, and wills what he wills. And he would clarify that God uses secondary causes, in this case with David, he used sin. In our case, COVID. And now even death. That God accomplishes his decrees through secondary causes. Same rate, for the same reason he does everything that he does, and that's for his glory. The next uh, observation I see would make you would tell us that uh, there's a time to mourn and to mourn deeply. And he would show us in the passage how David mourned deeply, uh, he mourned so deeply that people couldn't comfort him, uh, he mourned so deeply that. His servants thought that he was going to do himself harm. And so we ought to, with David, mourn, mourn deeply, uh, mourn intensely. Um, but we ought to, ought to also couple that mourning with petitioning God and do that just as intensely, just as deeply. David was a king. And he postured himself in the most humble way he knew how. He laid himself prostrate, basically laying face down the ground. And he did so in the dirt. Because he saw not his own kingliness at that moment, but he saw his own unworthiness. He saw his depth of depravity. He saw his sin before God. And so he laid himself out before God in the dirt. He could, as if he could go no lower than the stature that he had. So we ought to petition God. We ought to come before God knowing who we are in light of Him, that we may lay ourselves prostrate before God, humble before Him, petition and mourn deeply and intensely, but with a right perspective. Steve would also encourage us that mourning is not perpetual. We ought not go on continually mourning. We ought not lay in our beds or lay on the couches or lay on the ground in certain cases, but that we, our mourning should eventually, when God's will is done, lead to worship. That's what David did. So David should be our example. I'm sure Steve will point that out. David petitioned God, he mourned, when God's will was finally done, what did David do? 
Pilipada, dusted himself off, washed himself, anointed himself, changed his clothes. Basically, basically what he was doing was he was removing all signs of mourning from himself, his appearance, and then he went to the house of the Lord and he worshipped. Now that's our example. We ought to mourn more intensely. Once God will, God's will is done, we need to acknowledge that. And then we need to wash ourselves, change our demeanor, and then we need to worship. I'm not saying that's hard, it's gonna be easy. I'm saying that's our trajectory, that's where we need to, that's where we need to eventually be. Because in, 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 in worshiping, we acknowledge the glory due to God, even in this situation and circumstance. He's no less worthy of the glory and the honor due to him when he was alive than he is now. Maybe even more so. See, would also warn about two kinds of people that will come around you during this time. There are comforters and there are commanders. We thank the Lord for people here at Waco Family Baptist, friends, family that come around, Jose and Linda and the family, to comfort and encourage us, to point us back to what's important, to spiritually and practically encourage us. We also need to be aware of those who would take our eyes off of Christ at this time. That they would command us to mourn as they mourn. That they would command us to despair as they despair. That they would command us to fear as they fear. That is not our hope. Our hope is in Christ. We must set our anchor in Him. Cannot be detoured, cannot give them one inch. Christ is our only hope in this life and the next. I think Steve would say that we have to always acknowledge the graciousness of God. Now, as many of you know, Steve had heart failure four years ago. And he died two times. Once for 13 minutes and once for 23 minutes. But God was gracious. God, God brought him back to life. But as David said, you know, we ought to be mindful that God was not being gracious to Steve at that time. He was being gracious to us. He was being gracious to us. Four years of God's grace was deep. We didn't deserve it. Lots of motorcycle riding in the film. Lots of fishing in the film. Lots of texting and obviously Instagram going on there. You saw the 25 minute display there. <laughs> uh, time with Xandri, that would not happen. Time with Starla coming out. Time with all of us. We would not have had 
four years. So God was gracious to us during that time. We have to acknowledge that. Lots of theological talks, especially at the beginning. And God was gracious to us in that way. But now, God is being gracious to Steve. There's a lot of suffering that went into that, those four years. And God was being gracious to us. Many people didn't see that. Something that went on. Steve didn't have to endure all that, all that stuff in the hospital, coming out of the hospital. But this time, God was going to be gracious to Steve. This time, God showed his grace to Steve October 20th. God's grace was on display, fully and completely. <coughs> We're going to build heaven and embrace deep. And that moment, faith and sight became eternally inseparable from Steve. Finally, let's set our minds and let's start. Trust me, let's start right now. Set our minds not on loss or sorrow, but on hope. David knew he would see his son again. And he says, in confidence and full confidence, I will go to him. Yes, let's set our minds on seeing seed again, set our minds on seeing our loved ones again. But that ought not be our primary goal, our primary perspective. Christians ought to set their minds on seeing Christ as our all-sufficient Savior and continue to set our minds on Christ now in this life that we may do so in the life to come. And I think that's what Steve would say to us. Joyce Nader talk for some of you that don't know me. Three weeks ago when I was heading down to Texas to celebrate the life of my father and spend time with family and sharing the grief and loss and reflecting on the fond memories of him, I was 
trying to coordinate my schedule to see my brother's family. It seemed he just turned the corner with this battle with COVID. And I was so hopeful that he would be back to the old Steve. I really wanted to see him on that Monday. I remember how difficult it was for me to talk when I was in the hospital with COVID. I just wanted to see him with my own eyes and hold his hand hear my voice But since I was not able to do that, it was going to have to be enough for me to hear his voice in the text he sent me. Working with your family, the thanks says, I love you very much. I find myself scrolling back to his words. It seems like it was through the crisis that Steve and I had the most meaningful opportunities to connect and experience the love we had for each other. The precious one was when we had this serious heart condition four years ago. Steve came to Texas seeking medical help to save his life from a serious heart condition. A physical condition he could not ignore because of how much other people depended on him their livelihood. We haven't heard of Steve's interview with his heart doctor you've got recently. Dad and Linda called me to tell me to pray for Steve's heart had stopped several times and he would undergo serious heart surgery. I remember reaching out for the simple card to just express my love and prayers for him, to look to God for strength during this time. I don't even remember what I said, but his wife and brothers let me know in this battle with COVID, I was big sister to reach back to him, to encourage him. A man in the time of his life where he had given, was given a second chance. From his introduction to Texas, when he came here seeking medical help to save his life with a serious heart condition, God spared his life once already. With his loving wife Sharon by his side at that time, not willing to give up on him, she pushed those doctors back to that room to keep on with the CPR until a faint heart came back. His life was extended. God spared Steve's life, and although he grieved this loss, I want to thank God for these last four years he gave me. Every day is precious. Every day, Steve got 1,460 more of those last four years. Some of the special moments, memories we all share and that we can remember. See, my memories with Steve were sporadic. Being 15 years old, I went away to college when he was just a little boy. And although we were not close from the standpoint of sharing regular, meaningful moments, the few times we did connect were special. Through the many pictures I enjoyed seeing over the last few days, 
I was able to fill in some gaps the times I spent with Steve and see more of those memories played out from the new pictures and the wonderful slideshows all over together. So come to a close, just allow others to share the memories. I will always cherish the memory of how he felt in his last days. Jeremiah 29 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you the future and a hope. A hope of life for eternity to see Jesus instead of him. No matter how our lives turn out, or even how out of control they may seem to be or have been, we have the Holy Spirit to gently lead us. To hear the living word, Jesus himself, calling us. I stand at the door and knock. Jesus at the door waiting for anyone to let him in. He is that door. Jesus is the Steve has done that. And he has found Jesus as his eternal rest. And Steve would want to see all of us see him one day as we open that door, Jesus. But we have this hope in 2 Corinthians 5 8 to be absent from the body is to be present in the Lord. What a great day. Up with bottle feedings, burpings, and vegetable tips. I felt responsible to square with evil. I thought before I was at his age, I was asked to go to Arizona to help on a grand camping trip. By that time, Steve was very active, running, jumping, climbing, on the go like an energized rabbit. This I don't recall much from a shy older brother, but what I experienced as a big sister. At the Grand Canyon, Steve was running all over the place. I was trying to be responsible for him. I held a firm grip on his hand and mine, being afraid of heights. I could not let him get near the canyon edge. I would pull him away to run another direction. I remember that boyish laugh as if to drive me crazy. <laughs> as he grew older, my weekend family visits, he calls him camping on the living room floor in front of the TV, playing video games with his brothers, of course. I also grew up, and my daughters, Anta and Joy, came to live with them. 
It was special for me that they grew up with their uncles and aunts being close in age. For pictures I have, Steve held my youngest daughter, and then his oldest daughter held my daughter's firstborn, sort of like a generational picture with Uncle Steve. He helped me at times I needed a babysitter during my college days. He gave me a picture frame of his daughters when they were young that sits on my computer desk. It's about this big. It was a precious picture from a proud daddy of his baby girls. And life is precious at all ages. Steve was my junior groomsman, shown in the slideshow. All decked out in a little tuxedo. <laughs> and my husband and I headed out to Stephen's wedding. We were both truck drivers at the time. We actually left from Stephenville, Texas, making a nonstop drive to California to either visit the wedding, but we were there in time for the reception. So if the, if the wedding was ever recorded, Sharon, I'd like to see it someday. <laughs> Side note, <laughs> I watched his interview with the heart surgeon, Dr. Wolf. Amazing story he shared. Recent, recently, the procedures he had were on memorable dates as his wife's last sister's birthday and on my birthday. I'm thankful to have seen them ride their Harleys while visiting dad. Blessed, he had a Fishing night out with my husband, Phil and Aiden. Appreciate you helping me feel comfortable around your dog, because I'm afraid of dogs in You will be greatly missed. I'm happy to know your soul is in heaven with our father and heavenly father. Though he left us too soon, God graduated you home. I will see you home. I will see you soon, your brother, in his tummy. six years old and as a first grader you can imagine the pride, the joy, the ownership over a baby brother that I really felt. He was a beautiful baby. The coloring, the sweet round face, the chubby cheeks, when he would lift up, I remember. And when he learned to smile, <laughs> he lit up a room and never stopped since. His smile could command any person to see him and hear what he had to say. And someone also mentioned um, that he just, his weight, his influence, was there for influence. I enjoyed coming to Dad's house on the weekends to play with him and be a helper however I could. Probably too much. <laughs> Impossible. Um, of course, the children kept arriving in staccato fashion. The birds <coughs> fell out. So beautiful. Poetry and Nike. 
But nonetheless, I took my role as big sister to the best of my ability. Once I was in high school, I wasn't as connected as I had been, but I remember going off to college and Steve telling me, I'm proud of you, sis. You've always been the good one. <laughs> and I know what he meant by that. <laughs> it was the goody good. And he um, led a different life than me at that point. We traveled down different paths, and that is totally fine. Beautiful because each person is journey is unique to them. And so as he became an adult, and I reflect on him, who is he? to me, and how do I remember him? Truly number one is a leader. Steve has always been a leader. It's probably why we butted heads growing up, but um, he was the big brother, even though I was the big sister, and we had to always figure out whose daddy was who was, you know, that my daddy, I mean, my daddy. All these great fights that we took him on. But I, I do love his leadership, and I don't know if you heard I know when you've read me, Norris Joyce, you've made the comment that he was like bigger than life. And he really was. I always, like, he's always an untouchable to me. Um, but number two, I thought he has a steel trap mind of intelligence and creativity. Steve always learned so quickly, and his whole way being could like coordinate the body, soul, mind. He could think, he could innovate, he could imagine, he could almost breathe into being anything he wanted. He was very talented. Number three, proud daddy. I'm kind of chronologically going through his life there, and he and I became parents in the same year. Um, I had my first born daughter, Paris, in March, and then six months later, he had his first born daughter, Starla. I love that we can share those moments. We've compared stories, watched our babies roll over, you know, played with them old, let them see if they get old hands as, you know, infants and um, And I did what I could to relate with Steve and his friends. We found that new commonality. After college, Mike and I moved away to the Midwest for ministry. And then in 2005, we returned to California, and it was at that time I was able to reconnect again with my dad and his son and with Melanie and to reintroduce our four children to their aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents. And it would be my first time knowing my family as all adults. And it was then that I met a different Steve. He told me he had become a Christian for himself. And that he was not just saying that because dad was our, our dad was a pastor. So as we would talk, and he was interested because my husband was a pastor, so we would we, we would compare theology stories, and he would tell me where he's wrong. I'm getting away from that. He was voracious in learning about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, biblical doctrines, theology. Make the meaning of worship. We love music so much. 
be honest, I was blown away because he was truly a reformed man. I love that he loved our Savior in the same way I did. I love that he could express his faith in different ways than I did. We would disagree on a lot of scriptural applications. <laughs> because he thought I was too liberal with my theology, but well, he still accepted me. <laughs> I was just thrilled that he had a new obsession for heavenly things and that he could now be a voice for the Lord in ways that only I never would have known. And someone else had made a comment about that that once he had that obsession, he would become as knowledgeable as he could to know, to master it. And he wanted to do that as well in his faith. His personality was one that could never just be in the middle. He was always all or nothing, and then find the best and qualified way to do it, knowing he or something. Number five, it's a musician. My sweet brother was a freaking beast in his musical talent. <laughs> so when he and I reconnected and played some music together, he tried to teach me some guitar. I tried to teach him some piano. I don't know if it was me who begged or if he offered, but he gave me his one of his Ibanez bass guitars. And speaker. I still have it, and it will be a cherished instrument for the rest of my life. In fact, two of my sons used that Ibanez for their own bass lessons when they were in elementary and middle school, and they still do not do. So his impact has gone into the next generation already. Number six, so was a husband. I was so happy when he chose Sharon to be his wife. She was perfect for him. A sweetheart, an energizer bunny, a fellow Christ follower, a musician, a businesswoman, an adventurer, a best friend, and a partner. And in fact, a true lifesaver. I'm so happy they had us 15, almost 15 years. Almost 15 years in marriage. And that they could team together, and I am so proud of their life that they built together. It was so fun because we got to see their home last month a few weeks ago, and it's his life there. It's just beautiful. She was his babe, no doubt about it. I always instilled to stand in awe of mutual love and respect. They gave each other all the way through their lives. It's a huge testimony of God's grace and sin to their lives in marriage. I hope I can never be my own daughter. It was fun being at their wedding and witnessing their commitment. My last long talk with him face to face was about four years ago when he shared his life and death stories and his heart surgery. Again, he was a changed man. He knew who he had was given life by God, and that he would spend the rest of his days in gratitude and peace, knowing his salvation was secured in Christ. I am convinced that no matter the thrills and chills, he loved his Lord and Savior the most. And I just love that he loved his thrills and chills. Like, I want that so much. I'm going to be I did want to write a card if I could for my 40th 
We never found it because I had to get a license and everything. Anyway, <laughs> I tried. He's I appreciate him so much for his death. He wasn't just a brother to me, as to many of you in the stories who were, he was a great friend, friend of many, and if you knew him, you probably thought he was your best friend. He just had that way of doing that. But <clears throat> you know how he liked to talk and explain. Um, he could talk for hours, and I guess that's the way, one way we were able to get along so well is I'm, I'm the listener. He <laughs> did <laughs> all the practice he needed. <laughs> you can say I'm why he is why he is. <laughs> but you don't have to. <laughs> um, but before I can remember going all the way back, um, I listened to many thoughts, opinions, his different ideas and plans, and you know, ranging from like ideas like, hey, let's. Let's go climb up on that roof, you know. But then he would take it to the next level, like, 
let's jump off the <laughs> And then go even further and be like, you guys are ever reverse bike. Uh, let's let's have a competition who could jump the furthest off that group. You know, like he went all the way in in dangerous ways and safe ways as well. But um, we were just kind of crazy. Um, but that's how Steve was, and from as Greg said and everybody else, I mean, he, he got into these topics. And so I thought, you know, maybe I could share a little secret that I found. Um, I can't give it all away, but. Um, it didn't matter if you met somebody for the first time, um, you would just gravitate to the person and it seemed like whatever their favorite thing to do is like, how did he, how does he even know that? It's like some rare random thing, like this guy works at like a hat store or he makes hats and, um, so one of the secrets would be like in that scenario, I thought about, uh, he would, Steve would actually, he would have that conversation, but he would go back home and he would research hats and, and he would look at all the, you know, the different ways they're made and just anything you could think of, how they're sold, maybe imported, exported, you know, what type of wool or whatever. And so one of the, he would do that, not just for himself to have that research and the knowledge, because he would research the crap out of anything, but he would really do it so that the next time he saw you and you were that hat guy, he could sit there for hours and have this conversation about the different hat styles and just just to relate. Um, I lost my voice now, but that, that that's the kind of guy he was. Um, he he a lot of these things were the sake of his own knowledge, but he generally wanted to connect. He was the master of conversation and and relation. Um, it didn't matter the background, the topic, the the idea. It didn't matter. Um, so that 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 was just amazing and, and he would have that energy to go back you know I'm, I'm researching things that i need to know and i guess he's already gone through that but he did just continue going on with something to help others and so that that i appreciate because as we all benefit from that you know when, when i started to talk to him and ask questions about theology um he had already been down that road so it's like yeah i see where you're at um and you're probably thinking this this and this and then he he would do it in a way that he wasn't pushing anything. You know, he would give his ideas because he literally went through everything that you're about to go through when, when he goes to research the topic or anything like that. Um, so, anyways, as we got older, you know, we've, we've had those conversations all the time, ranging from day-to-day -day stuff. Um, but it, it, it then began, began to move over to theology, and that's where, you know, he, I think he... He felt not only a challenge because there was always something else to learn of the things of God and the mysteries that you know you start to learn and start to get a better understanding. And, and so we talked, you know, we, we went fishing, we rode bikes with you know, the Harley. I mean, that, that was all fun and we loved it. But when we were fishing, we might be out for five hours, and, and at least three hours of that, we were just talking um, and always talking about theology from from natural theology to special revelation, just whatever you could think of, or that probably that I could handle, because he, he would he would then go into this, you know, and then he would take the time when I got home, he would send me text messages. You guys all know this. Uh, on your own personal, whatever you guys are talking about, he would send text messages and links to websites, like a video on YouTube to learn something, and you're just, you would have already forgot about it. You forgot the conversation you had, 
he would send it to you and remind you, like, oh, that's some gold right there. And then, then again, he did it to invest in that time because the next time he got together, he, he would talk, pick up that conversation and, and, and that could go on and he wanted that to go on every day. And so that, that's, that's what I, you know, take with me. Um, but of all the memories from being kids, riding our big wheels down the street, um, for the kids, I'll send you pictures of what a big wheel is. Um, uh, big wheels, roller skates, uh, bicycles, skateboards, you know, watching the Lakers win championships. Yeah. Um, we watched a few Clippers games, <laughs> but Lakers won a championship. Um, playing guitar, we even got into golf, you know, I, I did that for him because I had no idea what Going to NASCAR races, you know, it's just these a wide variety of things just to learn more. Um, and then from to now to the recent fishing trips that we did sometimes every day, um, riding great Texas back roads, and um, which you know we we had roads in California, but it just it's hard to get to that. You know, if you want to go to the mountains, it's a nice, beautiful ride, but to get through it, you'd be done by the time you reach the. the down the bottom of the mountain. So, um, but my most cherished memories are, are, are those times when, when we studied scripture, um, strengthened our trust in God together, like challenging each other. And so, <clears throat> with that, I, I, I pray and uh, you know, that we can, even some of you here, we've done that already, and I just pray that we can um, do that, that I will be able to do that with, with any and all of you who, who want to do that. That's, I think, speaking um, has prepared me to do that and left me with that urge to take. So that's what I'm going to do, and I welcome anyone who wants to uh, pick up where we left off. Thank you.
For some reason, when I walked to Steve, I had this strange but strong faith that God was going to do something with him, though I did not know what or when or how. I would even tell him on the phone, God is going to get you. I know that we should always pray with confidence, but I believe the Lord gave me this particular confidence because he was actually going to save me. Well, when I returned home in January of 2005, I was able to witness firsthand that Steve was a totally new person. The same in many ways, yes. But it was evident that he loved me in a new way. It was evident that he loved the Lord, that he treasured the Word of God, and that he wanted to learn how to live a life that was pleasing to God. There was a lot of sanctification that needed to happen in both of us, but we had started to go to church together, study the Bible together, and we listened to lectures and sermons almost all day long for a period of time, a couple months, but we both didn't work. We even wrote and recorded a praise song together that you can all hear. This was such a precious time of learning and growth. And then not long after that, at my dad's church, he met Sharon, who had been a good friend of mine already for 10 years. We all started to go to church together, and I was blown away by his knowledge and understanding the word as I watched him disciple and mentor other men in the church. Then when Darren entered the scene, he started telling me, you know, you should get to know Darren. Of course, I did not want to be set up by my brother, so I ignored him for a while. <laughs> but when I was asked out on a date and wasn't sure what to do, Steve said, I think you should give him a chance. You might not end up marrying him, but let's face it, you're going to marry someone like him. So just go out then. Well, I did end up marrying the man who would eventually become my brother's best friend. And indeed, he married him. Steve became to me the big brother that I needed, the brother that I didn't even dare to wish for. Whenever I was troubled or worried, he always pointed me to Christ and to the scriptures. He corrected me gently and reminded me often of the truth of God's word. We shared many of the joys that only a brother and sister in Christ could share. And though I'm pretty sure I got the worst of him, in the end, I know I got the best of him. As well, these are the things that are most impactful and comforting to me, as well as knowing that I will see him again. We often spoke of Job. As Job has said, the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of God.
So Steve saved my life, quite literally. I grew up with this tale, this legend around me that we had a, a house fire and uh, I was a baby. And in some fashion, he scooped me up. And he was the one that take me out of the house. It's quite an annoying story. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so he was always this kind of hero. In our last conversation in person, He's trying to teach me about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Digitizing art. And hell, that's not because I'm an artist. And, and um, yeah, he was trying to teach me all this stuff about digitizing artwork and how that's going to be the he was way ahead of me. I mean, like everyone was saying, researching something to have something meaningful to talk about. So that's how we started. That's how it ended behind. It's just a, a teacher, a protector. And in between those two points, you know, we, we had a falling out, I'm going to say, about a conversation with many people close to me about You know, you don't want to talk too much about the bad stuff. You know, so I will say we had a falling out. And we didn't speak for several years. together and, and being family. So unfortunately, I, I feel you know, this was cut short because we were over the last few years on our way back to, to really
I know we love to eat. You know, that was like a long time when you questioned that. And he really, he really showed it to me. So I'm really grateful to know him and slightly jealous that I was, you know, younger and um, didn't have as many experiences <laughs> with him. So, so those of you who did, who are lucky enough to be around him more often. <laughs> Just hold that close to you. It's really special. Steve was like a brother to me. I say like a brother because to me he was so much more. Steve was all those things you would expect from a brother. But with him, it always came with something extra. And I guess it was me being the youngest at that time disagreements with my parents. Steve took me in and was kind of like another father figure to me. Steve and Lisa welcomed me into their home and was there for me for whatever I needed. I was crying to Steve once about disagreement I was having with my parents and said, Mike, whatever you're going through, I've already been through but way worse. If I could confide in Steve, Steve made me feel comfortable. He understood me. Not only in situations like these, something to share with me. It's knowledge, a lesson perhaps, a life lesson. Steve is full of information, and he has a desire to learn, and a desire to share, and to teach, or just speak things, breaking down from all angles, good, bad, crazy, and just simply amazing. Steve was captivating. 
Steve spoke, and he just listened. I found myself interested in things I wasn't even interested in, just because it was him. My brother was smart, intelligent, particular, engaging, and commanding attention. <laughs> Steve got along with just about anyone. He left the mark. For some kind of impression, wherever he went. And Steve was one of the most influential people to me, especially when it came to music. He practically introduced me to the drums and encouraged the development of my skills. Shape my musical styling and we spoke for countless hours many times music and music theory. Some of my favorite moments were turning it up to 11 and just jamming together. For the rest of my life, whenever I hear a good drum fill, a nice groove, or a great guitar lift, I'll think of Steve. I just like everyone else can go on and on and on about Steve. As there's so much more to share and say and feel in the process. But for now, I'll just end with this. Steve faced many challenges and had his share of ups and downs, but he remains to his faith. Steve was blessed by God. He was blessed by God to be a tool to be used to help others. I'll be forever grateful for every moment I have with Steve. And him blessing us with an amazing sister in law, my aunt to share. Thank you for always taking care of my brother. I didn't really like 
so much on a Zoom because um, I still haven't been processed at all, really. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know that uh, from those pictures on the slideshow and whatnot, it's hard to tell that we were ever distant at a time. Um, but we remember like the closest, I guess you could say. Um, but on May 25th, 2018, I made the decision to move to Texas to be closer to them. Um, and because uh, when he was granted a second chance at life, I felt as though we were granted a second chance at a beautiful father-daughter relationship. And I'll never regret making that decision, taking that chance, moving 1,418 miles away from home just to strengthen our bond because I got exactly what I believed he and I both wanted. In those short few years that I had the pleasure of living with him and sharing here in Texas, <coughs> I was able to realize just how similar him and I are. I truly am my father's daughter, and I will always be proud of that, even though I did put him through a lot. <laughs> and I uh, <laughs> <laughs> and bail me out of some very sticky situations. <laughs> <laughs> he never once looked at me with an ounce of disappointment. He always wanted me to live life and make mistakes as long as I could recognize them and learn from them and grow from them. I'll always be grateful for you allowing me to be whoever I wanted to be and loving me unconditionally. I know that you tried your best to be a good father to Starla and I, despite all of the challenges of life, and I truly hope that you felt every bit of appreciation and love you received from us throughout our lives, to know that you've always been around. You were the smartest and strongest person you have ever met. I've always been proud to call you my father. I can only hope that uh, one day I'll be half the Zan man you want me to be. And I'll cherish each and every one of our memories together. That would be fun. I didn't prepare anything because I'm just not there yet, but. I'm Starla, his firstborn. Um, honestly, I can't believe I'm up here right now, but um, I just feel compelled to say some stuff. How can I not? <laughs> um, ever since I was little, it was always him and not me. I was literally a sidekick. I mean, we wake up at 5 a.m. and go yell at the golfers and ruin their swing and then we duck. <laughs> we would do some amazing stuff. We would, anytime we were 
fights together, we fall, and crash. <laughs> and it was just so good, you know? I mean, we'd stay up till 6 a.m. playing Zelda on the computer. It was just, you know, Despite anything that happened, I always saw my dad as number one, and we were always close. He was truly my best friend. We talked daily. When we talked on the phone, it was hours. Even when he went to Texas, we were still always so close, and I'm just, God, I'm so lucky, you know, to have. Him as my dad. And I can't believe he's just not here anymore, but there was so much left for him to see. I'm so thankful that he approves of my boyfriend because one day when we get married, he may not be there to walk me down the aisle. Oh, God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that he will be there, and whichever uncle steps up to do my first dance with me, there will be pictures of us playing. I already planned this. <laughs> um, I, like I said, I didn't prepare anything. I have a lot to say, so catch on Instagram in a few weeks when I'm processing. But I just... Um, yeah, I'm kind of still in a state of shock, obviously, but I just want to say that, well, really, just, yeah, no words can explain it. We had so much in common. He was so funny. God, he was so funny. I'm just so blessed that I got to visit him on Father's Day, and we went on the boat, and I swear to God, that was one of the happiest moments of my life because we were free, just on the water, laughing. He was just, he was the best dad, I'm sorry, to all other dads, but <laughs> and like I said, I just feel really blessed, and he's instilled something in me to be strong, I mean, seriously, like, I don't even know, I don't care, but I just feel, he moves through me sometimes, and I just, I want to be as strong as I can. you to stand to hear the word of God. I'll read from the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. 
Yea, save the spirit that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Heavenly Father, as we have gathered here today to remember Steve, I pray that our words of kindness and thoughts about Steve would not stop at only kind words and thoughts. God, I pray that Steve's passing would be as Steve's life, a testimony to the grace and mercy of Steve's Lord and mine, Jesus Christ. I pray that the words spoken here today would honor Steve's desire while he was still with us, that we point to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I pray, God, that you would be pleased to bless your word, to comfort us by your word and your spirit, to help us today to see death, particularly to see Steve's death as you see it, as you have instructed us in your word. Help us to be aware this very hour of our own coming death, the reality of eternal judgment, God, we pray all these things and ask them in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. This verse of scripture is found in a section of the Bible that deals with end times. There's a greater purpose, a greater context of this verse, but today we will deal with uh, not that greater purpose, but we'll deal with a secondary purpose, a very simple purpose. It occurs to me that Steve would enjoy and appreciate the good discussion about different views of eschatology, but we are better served today by looking at the simple truth of this text of Scripture. Simple yet important truth that is helpful to us today. This verse, along with a few others that we'll consider, teach us about death. There are some things that we can learn from death just by science or by living life and observing the world around us. But there are other things that we need to know about death that we must learn from, from an additional source that we must learn from the scripture. If we are to really know about death and really understand about life and death, then we have to have the perspective of the creator, the giver of life. We all have a derived existence. The Bible puts it this way, in him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. God exists in and of himself. He is the creator and giver of life. He is the sustainer of life, but we have our existence from him. And for us to understand life and death properly, we go to the word of God on the subject. And this verse, Revelation 14, 13, helps us. It gives us a lesson on death. 
Sometimes from a human perspective, it's, it seems as though death is a great accident, as though death is a universal tragedy. It seems that when death comes, the world feels out of control, especially with Steve's passing. It seems so sudden. On Monday, we were speaking about whether he would or would not go into rehab. And on Wednesday, death, death came. Steve passed from this life to the next. So it's easy for us to think of Steve's death and think a great mistake has been made. <clears throat> Steve's passing was not his plan. And it was not any of our plan. I was looking forward, anticipating the times that we would have to have more theological discussion. The books that we had already talked about that we would read together. And holding some of you guys to that, so we're still going to do that. So I, I know that Steve's death was not our plan. Steve's death was not his plan. But let me say this, I, I believe that Steve is very happy today to be where he is, to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. Death may seem like things are out of control, but this verse of scripture teaches us differently. There are others, Psalm 116 Verse 15 says that the death of the saints is precious in the sight of the Lord. And this gives us a new perspective. This gives us a perspective to see death as God sees death. But the text that we look at today from Revelation 14, 13, it shows us something different. It doesn't just say that death is precious in the sight of the Lord, but it says this. Death is for the one dying a blessing. Each of us can look back on the moment that we heard of Steve's passing. We can remember that we were stunned, that we were shocked. Some of us are still experiencing that shock. Death for Stephen McCassell was not our choice. It was not his choice. But this text of scripture reminds us that though Steve's death seems like a curse, it's not a curse. It's a blessing. Blessed are the dead. We might, we might think curse, but the Bible corrects us and, and makes us think rightly when we say, blessed are the dead. We're taught from God's word that death is a blessing. We can plainly see that no human being was in control. None of you were in control or you have stopped it. Steve was not in control. Doctors and nurses, though they labored diligently and did much, to help Steve. They were not in control. But this verse 
reminds us that God is ever in control. Death did not come to Steve in a moment that God was off his throne. Death did not come to Steve when things were out of control. We were taken by surprise, but God was not taken by surprise for one moment. We learn the truth that death is no accident. Death is no tragedy. Because God's word tells us, blessed are the dead. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. So we take note from this verse that not every death is a blessing. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. This verse in Revelation follows other verses which give a description of torment and doom. And we know that not all deaths are a blessing. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Not every death, but those who die in the Lord are blessed. The death of those who die not in the Lord, the Bible paints a very different picture. Romans 1 tells us that the wrath of God is being poured out on the ungodly. Psalm 5, 5 reveals that God hates the workers of iniquity. And we can read this passage in Revelation that after life, after this life is over, those who die not in the Lord taste the cup of God's wrath unmixed with mercy. We know very little of God's wrath and what we do know has a mixture of mercy. But in the end, those who die not in the Lord will taste the cup of God's wrath unmixed with mercy. Steve knew this truth. I'm sure he spoke to some of you, warning you of the wrath that is to come for those who die without Jesus Christ. Others who love you have said similar things. And I warn you today as well, turn from your sin, run from the judgment for sin, and find grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. Steve did not want any one of you to die without Jesus Christ. If he were here speaking now, he would call you to repent of your sin and to believe in Jesus Christ. Steve knew when he was here with us, and he knows now even more, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. And this is a great comfort to us because we know Steve died in the Lord. Blessed are the dead who died in the Lord. It's, it's a comfort to know that Steve died in the Lord and that he is with the Lord. And we say this based on Steve's own profession 
of faith that clearly to hear your testimony of his life was more than just lip service. Steve professed Christ with his lips and he lived for Christ. Steve's life was continuing in repentant faith. And this is a comfort. It's a comfort to us. And it begs us to look closer at what it is. What does it mean to die in the Lord? If, if the scripture says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, what is it to die in the Lord? The answer to this question has so many, so many different views. As many different views as there are churches, as many different views of what it is to die in the Lord, certainly as there are people here and among us today, there's probably some variation of what we believe it is to die in the Lord. But the Bible does not teach, blessed are the dead who die in their view of the Lord, or blessed are the dead who die in their understanding or their version. It says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, and it is God's view, God's definition that really matters. It really matters because Jesus taught in Matthew 7, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom. Not everyone who professes to know something about being in the Lord actually is in the Lord. Paul expresses the same idea when he says, examine yourself to see if you're in the Lord. So we must test ourselves, examine ourselves to see lest we believe whatever we are believing in vain. The warning from Scripture, the warning that I give to you today to examine yourself, to test yourself, to understand what it is to die in the Lord. It's not because the Lord... It's not because Jesus Christ is untrustworthy. He is most trustworthy. But we examine ourselves and we try to understand what the scripture teaches about what it is to die in the Lord in case we have trusted in something other than the Jesus of scripture. In case we have trusted in something like Jesus Plus something else. In case we have believed a new and improved message. People die and go to hell because they believe in a modified Jesus, a tweaked Jesus. Because they believe in something other than what the scripture says. I thank God that Steve knew the Christ of Scripture. He knew that the Christ of Scripture is a perfect, precious, sufficient Savior. Some of you here, you believe in something, maybe something that you've heard, maybe something that someone has told you. You've heard things like walk down the aisle of the church and you'll be saved. 
repeat this prayer after me or read this prayer off the back of this card and you will be saved. You've heard things like say the prayer and really mean it and you'll be saved. These things are not taught in the Bible. They may have been told to you by someone who is sincere, but they're not taught in the Bible. The idea of ask Jesus into your heart and you're covered, that's not there. Scripture never speaks of salvation in such terms. Some of you have heard or some of you have believed, it's, it's natural for us to believe that that we might be saved, that we might go to heaven, that we might be with God by keeping a set of moral rules. Perhaps it's the Ten Commandments, perhaps it's some set of rules that a church made up that, that they've given you and, and you've believed that if you're good enough, even if you've been bad, if you're good enough, you can balance out the good and the bad. But the Bible doesn't say anything to that effect. That's, that's not what the scripture says. Some of you believe that going to church, going to church, church attendance and, and, and church involvement, that's the way to salvation. But all of these things lead to a death that is not the blessed death spoken of here in Revelation 14, 13. What does the Bible say? The Bible speaks in the Old Testament when the prophets preached. They preached this message, if I'm just summarizing their message. Repent and believe the promise of the coming Messiah. Repent and believe the promise of the coming Savior. It's the Old Testament message. John the Baptist comes in the New Testament and he preaches, repent and believe in the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The apostles preached, repent and believe in Jesus. Jesus himself preached, repent and believe in me. He said, he that believeth in me will live even if he dies. Steve professed faith in Jesus and repented for forgiveness of sin. And I stand here today to declare to you that God made Jesus Christ the one who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. The call of scripture for every one of us is to repent. Repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ. That you may be found in him and he in you. Then you will be in the Lord. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. This Memorial today. It's not only a memorial of Steve's life, but it's a memorial of Steve's life in Christ. Steve would tell you this. He could have been left in his trespasses and sins. 
but he was not. God, who is rich in mercy, gave Steve life. The Holy Spirit quickened his dead spirit and gave to him eternal life. So today, we don't see Steve's passing as an end. When Steve received eternal life, his eternal life did not end. His life continues today. His life continues no longer with us, no longer in this world, no longer is he seeing through a glass dimly, but now face to face with his Savior, Jesus Christ. I've heard many of you remark with the great faith that Steve had in Jesus Christ. And we admire the faith that Steve had in Jesus. But let's not stop there. I beg you not to stop there. Don't just admire Steve's faith. Press on to see the Savior. Press on to see the one whom Steve placed his faith in. Do not rest until you know the peace in Christ that Steve knew. The peace that goes beyond human understanding. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord that they may rest from their labors. That they may rest from their labors. Today, our confidence is that Steve is at rest from his labors. Steve had many labors. Just hearing what Steve was able to accomplish, make it tired. <laughs> Steve, Steve had, his, uh, had his hands in a lot of things. I've been surprised to hear all that he had done. A businessman an ardent reader of deep theological books. Now, some of you may know other stuff. Those are the things that Steve talked to me about. Steve labored. He labored with his precious wife. He labored alongside family members and friends. He labored in a way that benefited many of you. Steve was a busy guy. But today, Steve is at rest. That doesn't mean he's got nothing to do. But his labors are done. And he is at rest. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord that they may rest from their labors. There's one more facet of truth in this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord that they may rest from their labors for their works will follow them. For their works will follow them. Well, this certainly does not mean that we work to gain entrance into heaven. That's not good. And there is a teaching in Scripture about rewards and crowns in heaven, and, and I don't want to trivialize that, but I also don't want to focus on that at this moment. 
being in heaven with Jesus Christ is a great reward to worship him unhindered by this body of sin. We don't know anything about that. <clears throat> Steve does. But when I read their works will follow them, I thought of some of you. It's evident that some of you were the labor of Steve's life. <laughs> Every one of us will follow Steve in death. If the Lord tears his return, death is unavoidable. But some of you are Steve's work, and some of you, he labored in the Lord for you. He prayed for you. He, he spoke to you about Jesus Christ. He labored for you and you who are in the Lord. You will follow him. Some of you will follow Steve to a blessed death of your own. To rest from your labors. To enter into the presence of Jesus Christ. The one who is worthy to be worshipped for all eternity. I pray that you who are here who have not believed the way Steve believed, who have not believed in Jesus Christ, I pray today that you will be faced with your own mortality, with your own sin. You know that death is coming. And you know that hell is sure. I pray now that you would hear the voice of God drawing, saying repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ. He was pierced for your transgressions. He was crushed for your sin. The Lord has caused your iniquity to fall on him. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord so that they will rest from their labors and their works will follow. God in heaven, we thank you for Steve McCaskill. We thank you for the blessing that he has been to so many throughout his life, family and friends, and certainly, without doubt, those who barely knew him, he was a blessing to them. We thank you for the impact that Steve has had on each and every one of us. But God, more than that, we thank you for what you did in Steve. We thank you that you saved him. We thank you that he could die blessed death in Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would convict hearts of sin, draw sinners to repentance. We pray for the comfort of your Holy Spirit by your word. In Jesus' name.
you would take your hymnal, the Trinity hymnal, turn to hymn number 708, 708, moment by moment. Let's stand as we sing.
thought about it. And I thought I did it was write something this morning. But I don't know why. Because every one of you that spoke today said every single thing that I wanted to say about my husband. And um, I was thinking of, you know, how to describe him and all that, but you guys said it all. So I just want to share with you guys what Steve was to me as a husband. I actually met Steve on September 20, 2005 at his father's church. Um, first time I saw him, I thought he was his sister's boyfriend. <laughs> So I actually looked away, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I can't look at him. But then, um, when it was time for him to sing, he sat in front of me. He played that cassette tape. I'll let you guys, kids, know what the cassette tape is. But um, and he just looked up and stared at me. And um, ever since then, we we had a connection. Um, Steve had been a Catholic priest in Kingpin. When I say that, I'm not saying that he is replacing Christ, but rather he is modeling Christ as he is, as Christ is the prophet priest and king to his church. So it was he to our hope. He never failed to correct me in the Lord. I remember when we first had a misunderstanding. And I can say this with all honesty, I never had a fight with my husband. And this is the reason why. Is um, when we when I would get upset, he immediately goes after me and follows me with a Bible. <laughs> how can you how can you say how how can you say no to that? How can you how can you say, you know what, I don't want to listen to that anymore? You're saying no to the word, you know, you're saying no to the Lord, and and I want to submit to the scriptures. And uh, it's never ending love and compassion. It's just so amazing. <coughs> In the last 14 years of my life, I've dedicated my life to my husband 24-7. We were together. I love the fact that the Lord chose me to be his wife and to serve him, to serve God through my husband. Because he had touched each and every one of us. Because God used him for his glory and his glory alone. I'm not going to make it too long, but um, I'm going to fast forward through the last 31 days of his life here on this earth. When he chose Steve to go through what he had to go through with his COVID-19. Now I know we all have different opinions and um, I'm not gonna go there, but rather I wanna share with you guys what we went through as a couple, as a servant of Christ. Not throughout those times, I, we were hoping that he was going to come out of it, 
But we also knew that God was going to use him for his glory. He never, not once, did he say, you know what, I am going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I hate what is happening to me. But rather, he kept on saying, you know what, babe, I had a good life. This is just a test and trial in our life that we're going to surpass. Because four years ago, we went through this, where I live, and um, there was a picture that he did a meme on, his, on, on himself that says, rest in peace. You know, death four years ago, and then he goes, nah, you know. But um, I think the Lord, the Lord blessed us and given us and loaned us another four years of his life because he had touched every single one of them. One of the many things that he wanted to do was to reconnect with his brothers and his siblings and just to share the word of God and show them how much God changed his life. He is truly a reformed man. And what an amazing testimony it is, not only to me, but to everybody else that he had touched. I'm so thankful and grateful that even to the very end, when we were praying together, he had said, you know, I'm tired, babe. But God is my strength. And he kept on saying, do not lose hope. For my hope is in Christ. And my faith is in Christ. Now how can I go back to the hotel and blame or or you know feel sorry for myself when I see my husband suffering and battling these things, but yet fighting a good fight, you know, and just being a great example as a husband and as a Christian. And so even though it was painful to see him go and to see him deteriorate, all we could do together was praise the Lord and every morning to the point where I didn't know how it was, you know, going in, whether they were going to give me 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour just to see him. So I started writing my prayers and what I was going to do, you know, we were going to pray, we were going to read the scriptures, and then we were going to sing hymns together. And that very last moment, the song that we were singing was Precious Lord, you know? And how hard it was, because as I was singing it, I'm like, wait, take my hand. He was ready. He was ready, and he was letting me know that, because he was ready. And that I praised the Lord and then a month ago, or so, we were given the opportunity by one of our, um, uh, one of the pastors that Steve had looked up, to Pastor Claude Riddell, thank you, and had told us to come and be here in this church because now, more than ever before, now that my husband is no longer here, I don't have to be under their guidance, but I'm okay with that because the Lord had led me to that, knowing that I will hold on to what my husband had taught me and had walked with me. Um, I want to share with you guys a scripture and it's Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me. 
neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Please bear with me as uh, we all know the story of how my husband and I met and um, how I met him and I sang a song and then I sang a song again to him on our wedding day and if you may please allow me to sing one more song to him. Um, the very last thing that he told me was, it is well with my soul. My salvation is secured in Christ. And how comforting that was, even though it was hard to hear, knowing that he was saying his goodbyes to me, but comforting that he's going to heaven. He's going to be with the Lord now. And how I envy him at times because he's there sitting with Calvin and with Jonathan Edwards. I used to sit there when we first got married. I thought that I had to memorize all the books that he read because, <laughs> because he likes to talk about the books that he read. And so, what I would do is, as soon as he goes to work, I would read the book. I try to memorize them so that when he comes home, he can talk to me about it. And then later on, finding out from Sylvia, because I thought that's what they did, was that Sylvia had never read them before. So, but I thank the Lord that he encouraged me in the Lord, and he always tells me to fight, you know, and trust the Lord, and get, you know, he is our strength, he's our comforter, and that, you know, we find peace in him. So I would like to finish it off with um, the song, if you may please hear with me. And it's gonna be a cappella. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my luck, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet. Though trials should come, let this blast assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate. It is well, it is well. 
as friends and businessmen and, and family. He did that well. And now, if he were here, he would say, do that for one another. Wouldn't he? Do that for one another. And that's a commandment that we have. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength and love your brother as yourself. And love and care for one another. And as I've pondered this and, and had thoughts and what I was to say, I didn't find anything about either sister. <laughs> but I, I do remember some things. Sylvia, one of the time, what little time that we've had since this has happened and talked together, I just want to thank you for sharing what he meant to you with me. What a rock. He was all of those things that y'all spoke about. All of those things. The son, the husband, the brother, the father, the friend. He, he was all of those things. But I want to I make sure and call your attention to this. But he was all of those things because there was someone else who was all of those things for him. And it was Christ, his Lord, his Savior. Those things that he poured into you are the very nature and character from the Lord Jesus' own heart to you. Don't forget it. Because he loved you so much that he poured that into you. And that was a picture, wasn't it? All of creation declares God's glory. Doesn't it? This picture of family, it's no accident. It is from his, his own decree from before time, before the creation. Yes, this is in creation and it is a picture, but this comes from an eternity. In him, with him. So this picture of this family, we need to know and understand. There's a greater picture. There's a greater reality. And these things that you have seen and heard and experienced were real. And I want to tell you what the time I only had a few times with him. So now I get to know him through you. Sounds familiar? And as I had a little time with him, I remember how real it was the first time that we made face-to-face -face contact. And I saw his eyes. And I saw what was in him, in his eyes. Because there's a bond and a kindred spirit that comes from Christ that you see and know that is real. It is a real thing that God would bind us together through his word and his Holy Spirit through Christ. And as I've said so many times standing here, from the mountain, God's voice boomed and said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. That is the word preached. That's what we have now. And we have one another. And I want to remind you keep that. We heard of reconciliation. It's so good. It's a picture. Forgiveness. 
All of these things that we've heard in these testimonies, guys, these things come from a God who is sovereign and king and just and righteous. These things we have now only picture the real Christ. Our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, and what he meant to him. In the little time that I had to spend with him, and I also was looking forward to getting to know him in a more meaningful and deeper way. Through God's will, I will know him through you. And I consider that a blessing. And I intend to redeem the time with you. And Michael made me an honorable McCassie before we came in here. So you should. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you? There's a witness, Miss Linda. I, I, I just want you to know it is well. It is well. I'm going to read from the Bible Vision. The precious blood. Blessed Lord Jesus, before thy cross I kneel and see the heinousness of my sin, my iniquity that caused thee to be made a curse, the evil that excites the severity of divine wrath. Show me the enormity of my guilt by the crown of thorns, the pierced hands and feet, the bruised body, the dying cries, my blood is the blood of incarnate God. It's worth infinite. It's value beyond all thought. Infinite must be the evil and guilt that demands such a price. Sin is my malady, my monster, my foe, my viper, born in my birth, alive in my life, strong in my character, dominating my faculties, following me as a shadow, intermingling with my every thought, my chain that holds me captive in the empire of my soul. Sinner that I am, why should the sun give me light, the air supply breath, the earth bear my tread, its fruits nourish me, its creatures subserve my ends, yet thy compassions yearn over me, thy heart hastens to my rescue, thy love endured my curse, thy mercy bore my deserved stripes. Let me walk humbly in the lower depths of humiliation, bathed in my blood, tender of conscience, triumphing gloriously as an heir of salvation. Let's pray. Most gracious heavenly God in heaven, at this time we come, you have blessed us with the life of Steve. How could we glorify him without glorifying him first as creator? It's from your own hand that you have made all things from nothing. Breathe the first breath of life into man which has sustained mankind for all of time. But there's an eternal breath. Lord, I pray today as we have been able to, to celebrate and, and join in together and share with one another 
the time that was redeemed and redeemed well, Lord, by your servant, that today you would receive him as your own. For we know your work has been done, it is yours, it is finished. You have victory over death, hell, and the grave, and only you, and you imparted to those who believe. Today, Lord, we pray, if there be one that would believe, today would be the day. Do not harm your hearts as they did as the day in the desert. Listen to your son. Lord, be with all of us as we go throughout the rest of this day. And, and remember that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. That you are sovereign and you are just. And these things that we go through in our lives will draw us nearer. together more is in Christ and Christ alone that these things are done and these, and these things that we have heard today this is even from your own hand that you would remove the dead flesh of our hearts to your own finger that you give us a new heart as we have heard how you worked in our brother's life Amen. For his friends, his family, all those who are here. Pray for safe travel and passage for those that have, have come and those that will need to, to go home again, that you would be with them as they go. Lord, I pray for all of our safety and well-being and, and health. All of our days are in your hands. Your sustenance, your provisions, We do give you glory, Lord God, for it was yours from before time began, and we partake today. It is good. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.